0: (laughs) Oh, I hear some tasty waves, cool buzz, and I'm fine. What's wrong with you? Why don't you take a picture of the last slugger? By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then, hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today I've got more stories about gaming. It seems appropriate, gamer dude talking about gaming. I talk about everything else. Might as well talk about gaming too. Then we've talked about gaming in the past. I've talked about how when I was a kid I played a lot of games with my friends and also on my own. And you can check out the previous seasons for those episodes. To summarize briefly, when I was a kid, we gamed. We played board games. There were no video games. There was no gaming the way we talk about gaming now. There were no consoles. There were no home entertainment systems. There were no PCs. Gaming when I was growing up was board games, card games. That was the extent of our gaming when I was a kid. Yeah, I know, I'm old. But that's what gaming was. We played Monopoly and Risk and Checkers and Chess. We played Careers and Go to the Head of the Class. We played the home versions of TV game shows. We played everything. We learned Gin Rummy. We learned 500 Rummy. We learned 21. We learned AC Doocy. And because I loved to game, and I loved to game more than a lot of my friends did, I played games on my own. Before there was ever a computer game where you could play four or five positions yourself, I'd play four positions on Monopoly by myself because it kept me busy and it kept me entertained and I wanted to see how it would come out. And I also discovered games like simulation games, Stratomatic Baseball, Appa Baseball, Appa Football. These were simulations before they were computer games where they had what were essentially giant spreadsheets on big boards and you'd roll dice to get your results. I talked about these in detail previously, but it was a statistical way to play a baseball game or play a football game or play a golf game based on actual results, player records, and dice rolls. And I played those games by myself too. So long before video games became a thing, I was really into gaming. I liked the strategies. I liked the competition, even if I was competing with myself. I liked tracking statistics. I liked keeping track of things, wins and losses. And that's why I liked the baseball and the football simulators, because I could keep schedules for all of the teams I was playing. When I was playing Monopoly, I'd keep track of which token won more games. It was a way for me to keep score. And I've also talked about my days in Dungeons & Dragons. When I got to college, and again, before there were home video games or home PCs where you could game, we still played board games in college. Yeah, we played card games too, euchre, poker. But we discovered Dungeons & Dragons. And that's when I was introduced to the RPG, the role-playing game. That's the original role-playing game. They talk about RPGs on consoles and on PCs, and yes, they're RPGs. But the original role-playing game was Dungeons & Dragons, at least for me. And I did a whole episode on Dungeons & Dragons back in Season 1. So you can check out my details about that. But that's where I discovered RPG games. And we would spend hours with Dungeons & Dragons. Weekends in college, some people would go out drinking. We'd go to the student lounge and play D&D all night. So when video games became a thing, and I'm not talking arcade games... I spent a lot of time in the arcades. I've talked about that as well. The arcade was our social place where we would play video games, line up our quarters, and spend a couple of hours for a couple of bucks. And the arcade games were fun too, don't get me wrong. But once you could bring those games home, once you could play Asteroids or Pac-Man, Centipede or Missile Command on your home computer or your home console, that was awesome. And we loved that. But once gaming developed all of the other genres that came about, What they call platformers, what they call simulations, the RPG games, the roguelike games, and of course the MMORPG, massively multiplayer online role-playing game. For those who don't know, that's what an MMORPG is, and one of the big games that I fell in love with was World of Warcraft. But once all of these games came to computers, and once we could play these hugely different games on computers, I was in love. I loved all of the variety of things that you could do. And I went through stages playing all of the games. Yes, of course, I played platformers. Super Mario, Super Mario 2, all of the Mario platformers that were early on. Sonic the Hedgehog, Crash Bandicoot. Those were all games that I enjoyed playing. They were fun. But there were so many other genres that were so much more deep and interesting to me that while I liked the platformer, I liked games that were more like simulations or action simulations. Those were some of the first games that I gravitated towards. And those were before the development of what I call the story games. And I've talked about those at length too. And I'm going to talk about those at the end. Because this episode is inspired by the remaster of Mass Effect. And I'll talk about that in a couple minutes. But the simulators really attracted my attention when they first became popular on PCs. Because I didn't have a console. But I did have a PC. Actually, what I had was an Amiga. Which was the Commodore equivalent of a PC. I've talked about the difference in the past. But my Amiga could do some great things with some awesome games. And the games that attracted me most early on were simulations of various types. TV sports football, TV sports basketball. Those were two of the first games that I played. But there were simulations that I really, really liked that I spent hours playing. One of the first ones that I played was a game called Ports of Call. And this may sound very boring to you, but for me and for my best friend in college, we spent hours playing Ports of Call. Now, Ports of Call is... Really a boring-sounding game when you talk about it. In two words, it's a shipping simulator. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, you played the role of basically a shipping magnate. You had to buy ships, launch them from your home port to various ports throughout the world, pick up cargo in one port, ship it to another port, and make money on the deal. You could buy used ships. You could buy new ships. Obviously, the new ships were more expensive. The old ships would save you money, but they might break down or they might sink. So it was kind of a gamble. Which way would you go? And the object was to do better than the computer players or the other players who were in the game. And the shipments were worldwide. You would start in New York, you'd ship to Naples, you could ship to China, you could ship to South America, and you could have a fleet of ships as small as a tugboat or as big as a container ship. They did make a port of Ports of Call, which is available on Steam. I've never tried it. I actually never knew it existed until recently. It's not an exciting game. It's not an action-packed game. But if you're interested in a simulation like that, a trading game, a shipping game, give it a look. But even if you go back and watch videos of the old gameplay, it doesn't look that exciting. But for some reason, it appealed to my sensibilities. All right, I'm running a business here. I'm going to ship this here. I'm going to ship that there. I'm going to pick that up here. I'm going to buy a cheap ship here. I'm going to buy a new ship there. I don't know why that appealed to me, but it did. And I spent a lot of time as a shipping magnate. I also spent a lot of time as a Railroad Tycoon. That was another game, the original Railroad Tycoon. Long before Sid Meier did Civilization, he did a business simulator called Railroad Tycoon. Yes, it's the same Sid Meier. And I got that game for my Amiga. And again, the description of the game doesn't do it justice. It's going to sound boring to you, unless you like simulations. But the objective of the game, you were a Railroad Tycoon. You had to build and manage a railroad company from the ground up. You had to lay track, you had to build stations, you had to buy trains, and you had to schedule the trains to run on time. If I remember correctly, some had passengers, some had cargo, and the more money you made, the bigger you could make your railroad empire. And while you were building your own railroad empire, the computer, the AI, had its own railroad tycoons working against you. And I know it sounds dry, right? Well, it was cool to me. You had to figure out the best way to lay the tracks, go through the mountain, spend the money to build a tunnel, go around the mountain. How efficient is this route? How efficient is that route? Do I have a lost leader here? How do I get this cargo from here to there? It was fascinating to me. So I had ports of call. I had railroad tycoon, and then after that came Sim City, the original Sim City. Everybody knows the Sims, but the Sims came from Sim City long, long ago. Before The Sims was ever a thing, Sim City was a city recreation simulator. A guy named Will Wright designed it, put out by a company named Maxis. And basically what you did is you had to construct a city from the ground up. You'd have a small patch of undeveloped land, a swamp, a field, a forest, whatever. And you got to pick where you would put your different zones. Your residential zones, your commercial zones, your hospitals, your landmarks, your schools. You'd design all of that in the area that you started from. And you had to build your city with your commercial zone, your industrial zone, your residential zone. You had to make sure they balanced each other. You had to make sure your Sims were all happy. And that's where the Sims from the Sims games came from. You'd have a top-down view of your city. And you would see your buildings go up. You'd see your houses go up. You'd see your industrial complexes go up. And then if you looked at the streets, you'd see these little tiny dots moving around in your Sims city. And those were the Sims. They just existed in your Sim city. And somewhere down the line, somebody had the great idea to create a game based on The Sims living in Sim City. But way back in the day, the game was not about The Sims. It was about the city creation. And I loved that game, too. All right, I got to put my stadium over here. I got to put my industrial park over here. I've got to have a nice park for the kids to play in. I've got to have a commercial area where everybody can shop. I don't want to raise taxes too much. But I got to have services for police and fire. Got to have a hospital here. Then you would check the pulse of the population. They were either happy or okay or angry. Occasionally, a natural disaster would roll in. As your city existed for longer periods of time, you could have major disasters happen, like Godzilla attack your city. That was one of the scenarios you could program. And then how would you respond to it? Emergency services, could they fix the problems? Fires would pop up everywhere if Godzilla was attacking. You had to dispatch your fire department. You had to dispatch the police. You had to make sure the hospitals were fully staffed. I know, it sounds kind of weird, right? I loved it. I loved playing SimCity. I would play Sim City for hours. Now, SimCity wasn't a game you would actually win, necessarily. You just wanted to make sure your city survived and thrived. But I loved it. It was great. So those were the big simulators that I loved early on in the simulator life cycle. After SimCity, there were games like Tropico. Tropico's on version 6 now, I think. But I played the original Tropico. Tropico is kind of like Sim City, except you're in charge of a tropical island. Sid Meier's went on from Railroad Tycoon to develop Civilization, and I've played various Civilization versions. I think the most recent one I played was Civilization 3. And those, both of those games, take the same notion that Sim City is based on. You start on a plot of land, and you build either your tropical paradise or your worldwide paradise, depending on which game you're playing. And in Civilization, that was cool, because it's not only a simulator, but it's an action simulator so there's real-time strategy involved when there's other players, and the object was to expand your civilization, conquer others if you needed to, or make treaties with others if it seemed more beneficial to do that. So I spent a lot of time with those simulators. SimCity was probably my favorite civilization I loved, but those early ones, Railroad Tycoon and Ports of Call, I will never forget those games because they were so new to me. There was something different from a platformer or from the TV sports games that I was playing. There was some strategy involved. There was stuff that you could plot for yourself. There were plans you could make for yourself. There were different things you could do in those games. And it all depended just on you. You didn't have to worry about a teammate. It was just you against the game. And that was fine with me because, as I said, I grew up doing that a lot. Before computer games, it was me against the game. When I would play four-person Monopoly, it was me against the game. Yes, it was me against me, against me, against me. But we were playing the game. We meaning me. I enjoyed playing the game for the sake of playing the game. I didn't necessarily have to win or lose. When I'm playing four-person Monopoly, I'm bound to lose three times. But I liked to see what the strategies were. And it was the same with the simulators. I was playing against the game. And I liked to see what strategies would work and what strategies might not work. Now, obviously, these aren't the only games that I played. I've played so many games. But these are the games that have stood out for me and that I know that I spend so much time in because they appealed to me so much. And there was a period of time where all I wanted to play was the simulators, whether it was Ports of Call or Civilization. And I've tried the other ones, Farming Simulator. That's okay. Rollercoaster Tycoon, that's okay. They have a whole bunch of tycoon games that aren't related to Railroad Tycoon, but they're based on the same premise. You run a hospital, you run an amusement park, you run a farm. They're all fine. But none of the recent ones have captured me the way those early ones did. I think it's partly because they have a slightly different feel than those original games. But I also think it's partly because my tastes have changed. As we grow older and as we try different things and experiment with different games, you get tired of one genre and you try a different one. And over the years, my tastes have evolved towards what I call story games. Now, story game is my category. Some people call them action-adventure. Some call them adventure. Some call them roguelike. And they're all those things. Roguelike is a subgenre of the action games, which we won't go into in great detail because you don't care and neither do I. We know what we're talking about. What I call story games are games that have a story. You play the lead character in a game that's telling a long story. Uncharted is one of my favorite story games. The Uncharted series is one of my favorite series. Because although the game is linear, you're going from point A to point B to point C, there's a story that gets you there. And as you travel through the game, you advance the story and you learn new things about your character, about the mystery you're trying to solve, about the reason you're playing the game. And a good story game, for my money, is better than a good movie and in many cases is better than a good book. Because there's so much you can do in a video game that you can't do in a movie and that not too many authors do in a book. I mean, in a Hollywood movie, you have two hours to tell your story. In a video game, it can take two hours to get through one set piece. And you love every minute of those two hours. Okay, maybe you don't love every minute if you die 15 times trying to get through the set piece. But if the game is good enough, you don't mind trying 15 times to get through a set piece. One recent example is the game Titanfall 2 that I was playing. I was playing the campaign. And the campaign was so interesting to me that even though there was this one particularly difficult and maddening section of the game, I wanted to get through it because I wanted to see how the story came out. And that's why I like a story game, because if the story is good, you want to spend the time doing it. You want to spend the time getting to know the character, learning about the background, getting through the story events to move on to the next chapter. So I mentioned the Uncharted games. Nathan Drake, one of my favorite characters. Some excellent writing in those games. You don't mind that the mechanics are clunky a little bit. You don't mind that the aim is off a little bit. You don't mind that Nathan Drake defies gravity to do some of the things that he does? Because the voice acting is so good. The story is so good. You just want to play it to see what's going to happen. And yes, they throw in some exploration things, some collectibles you can pick up, little things you can unlock. But you play the game for the story. You want to see what happens to Nathan Drake. The same is true for another one of my favorites, Red Dead and Red Dead 2. John Marsden and Arthur Morgan, two of the greatest video game characters ever, in my opinion. Because their stories are so interesting. And because the action is so good. And because the gameplay is so compelling. It doesn't annoy you. It doesn't make you crazy. It makes you want to keep playing. Now, Red Dead and Red Dead 2 are technically open world games. By that, I mean you can go anywhere in the environment. Especially in Red Dead 2, you never have to finish the game. You could just decide to live in that world. You can be Arthur Morgan forever and never advance the story if you don't want to. And there's a lot to see and do if you just do that. But because it's a game, you can get from point A to point B to point C eventually to the end if that's what you want to do. And I'm not talking about the online component. There are online multiplayer components for both games, both good. But I'm just talking about the story, the campaign. That's the part about the game that I love the most because the story is so good in each of those games. It makes you want to play the game. It makes you want to get to know the characters. One of the best things about Red Dead 2, which is a prequel to Red Dead 1, is you get to know John Marsden's origin story, which is really kind of cool. It's neat to know that. But more importantly than that, you get to meet Arthur Morgan. In my mind, one of the best characters ever in video games. And you can play Arthur as a bad guy with a heart of gold who's trying to redeem himself, or as a bad guy who just is a bad guy. Thus, the redemption in the title. You could go for the redemption if you want to, but you don't have to. And that's not something you can do in a Hollywood movie. That's not something you can do in a book. The thing that I like about a story game like Red Dead and Red Dead 2 is you get to make the choices. You define the character the way you want to. And I think that's what makes it the most fun for me. And that's why I like Mass Effect as much as I like Mass Effect. Because for all the reasons that I talked about in Uncharted and Red Dead, in Mass Effect, you get to define your Commander Shepard the way you want to. Now, a lot of people have been talking about Mass Effect and the remastered Legendary Edition that's now out. Some people are revisiting it for the first time in 10 years. Some people are discovering it for the first time. And some people are saying, oh, yeah, I remember when I did this. And I've changed so much, so my character is going to be different or I have a different view of things. For me, I haven't stepped away from Mass Effect since it came out. Anyone who's viewed my Twitch stream knows that we have Mass Effect Monday and we have Mass Effect Monday for a reason. I love playing Mass Effect. Yes, I know how the game comes out. Yes, I know all of the characters. Yes, I know every nook and cranny on the Citadel, on the Normandy, on the Normandy 2. Yes, I know Shepard's favorite store on the Citadel. I've played through the trilogy four times complete, from beginning to end. And I've done some side playthroughs too, like halfway through to check out some alternate options that I didn't take as a result of choices that I made. I wanted to see how things would come out if I went down a different path, which you can do. With the multiple save system, you can do that. But the thing that I like about the game, and the reason that I've played it over and over and over again, is because you can create a Commander Shepard that suits you at the time that you're playing it. Now, me, if you've watched me play games, if you've listened to this podcast, you know I'm basically a good-hearted, good-natured mushball. I always try to do the right thing. I always try to avoid doing the wrong thing. I believe there's a right and a wrong. I believe you don't do bad things. I believe you should try to always do good things. And when I play games, no matter what the game, whether it's Uncharted or Mass Effect or anything in between, I always try to make the good guy choices. I know some people use games as a way to be the bad guy when they can't be in real life. I don't do that. That's not me. That's not why I play games. I play games the way I play games, which is to get enjoyment. And in the gaming world, when you make the right choice for the right reason, or you make the right choice because it's the right thing to do, that's something you don't always get to do in the real world. Some people revel in the fact that they can make the wrong choice because they can. It's a video game. Nobody's going to care. But I make the right choice for the right reason for the very same reason. It's the right thing to do. And it's a video game. So who cares? I know in my heart I did the right thing. And my Commander Shepard will get the Paragon points for me being a good guy. But that doesn't mean, when I play Mass Effect, that I don't recognize that there's nuance. That sometimes you have to make a difficult, hard choice. That sometimes the right choice might not seem like a right choice. And that's what I love about Mass Effect. Because you can form your character by making the choices that seem appropriate at the time that you're playing. In each of my four playthroughs, my Commander Shepard has been different has had different romances, has had different friends, has had different results from various missions. The overarching theme, we save the galaxy, that holds true every time. But how you get there is what makes it so interesting to me. And the Mass Effect games, no matter how often I replay them, give me a chance to get there in a slightly different way, or a slightly more scenic route, or in the most recent playthrough we're doing, in a route that I would never ordinarily take. Now, on the Twitch stream now for Mass Effect Mondays, if you haven't checked it out, I am doing what I'm calling a renegade run. As I said, I usually pick the Paragon options, but I had read an article somewhere that something like 80 or 90% of the people pick the Paragon option 80 to 90% of the time. Now, if you don't know, there are Paragon and Renegade options for each of the dialogue choices that Shepard has. And for whichever choice you make, there's dialogue and resulting consequences from each choice. So, they've written renegade responses for every option, as well as paragon responses. But if 80 to 90% of the people never see those responses, there's a whole other game in Mass Effect that nobody ever sees. So, I decided, why not play a renegade run? Let's see what the options lead us to. Let's see what happens if we make nothing but renegade choices. Now, for this playthrough, this is not a Commander Shepard that I would take ownership of as me. This is not me. This is Alternate Universe Gamer Dude. I don't make renegade choices. But in this playthrough, I'm doing renegade choices just to see what they are. And so far, it's hysterical. We have a short-tempered, irritable, grumpy, nasty shepherd who's going to try to save the galaxy. And it's going to be fun to see how that works out. But that's why I love Mass Effect, because you have the option to do that. You can't do that with a Hollywood movie. You don't get to watch Die Hard and see what happens if John McClane does something different. You don't get to watch Lethal Weapon and see what happens if Riggs decides to go a different path. With a game like Mass Effect or Red Dead, you can start it over, clean slate, and make entirely different choices, which will give you a very different, entertaining experience. Even though you know where the ultimate destination is, how you get there is going to be totally different from any other time you've done it. And that's what's so much fun about a game like Mass Effect. When it's well written, when it's well done, when the voice acting is on point, when the storytelling is strong, every time you play it is a great experience. And I think that's why I love Mass Effect so much. Because every time I play it, it's a great experience. I mentioned World of Warcraft. I spent a number of years playing World of Warcraft. Between my days playing the simulations like Ports of Call and SimCity and going to the story games like Uncharted and Red Dead, I spent years playing World of Warcraft. I loved World of Warcraft for very different reasons than I loved the simulators or that I loved the story games. In World of Warcraft, yes, there's dungeons that you can go on, there's missions you can do, you can join a guild. I formed the guild Raiders of the Lost Orc because it's a perfect dad joke for a guild name. But I loved World of Warcraft because I could play it with my online friends or I could play it on my own. And I really loved World of Warcraft a lot. I had my guild, I had my characters, I tried different classes, I tried different dungeons, I tried different raids, it was a lot of fun. But I guess the only problem that I had with World of Warcraft is, after literally years, and I think I played for five years in a row, to the exclusion of any other game, this is long before I was streaming, I got tired of being in that world. There wasn't really anything new. Yes, it was my character, yes, it was an entertaining world, but... I'd pretty much seen everything there was to see, even the new content, the new expansions. They weren't that interesting. So I kind of drifted away from World of Warcraft. Don't get me wrong, I loved the game, still do, but I'm not sure that I'll ever get back to it. To contrast, I've been playing Mass Effect for literally 10 years. We've had Mass Effect Monday on the stream for almost 5 straight years, and we're starting another playthrough, and I'm still loving it. Now, to be fair, I'm not playing it every single day. With World of Warcraft, I was playing it four or five times a week, but there's something about the storytelling in Mass Effect that is just compelling and it keeps me coming back. World of Warcraft was fun, but it was no Mass Effect. Yeah, I've just scratched the surface of all the games that I played, but those are the genres that I like the most. Those are the games that are my favorites. Those are the games that have stayed with me over the years. That's not to say there won't be more that come down the road that take their place or perhaps more accurately, work their way to the top of the list. I mean, there's games like The Last of Us, Horizon Zero Dawn, Days Gone, great story games that I really, really enjoyed as well. So there's always games that are interesting to play. And when the storytelling is good, I love playing and I love talking about them. And that's why I stream on Twitch. I like to share that enjoyment with you. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks for being a part of things. Thanks for taking the time to spend some time with me this week. I really do appreciate your support and I can't thank you enough. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.